Welcome to Talk on CFRC 101.9 FM and CFRC.ca. I'm your host, Timmy G, providing your weekly dose of insight and inspiration for mental and emotional well-being. Are you ready for your weekly brain bath? Let's go. Let's get personal. Our talk feature interview. to talk. I'm your host, Timmy G. Today's interview is with naturopathic Dr. Michelle Durkin, speaking on her experience and her recent talk titled, How I Survived My Separation Without Going on Antidepressants. Very interesting story, a lot of great information that she shared, both from a personal angle, but also professionally. And I will say, depending on the interviews that I do and how I record them and so forth, sometimes there's a little bit of background noise. And today, for this interview, I think it was my laptop because I had information up in front of me. Every once in a while, there's a little sound that sounds like maybe there's a rattlesnake under my desk. So this is what we're going to do. As you listen to the interview, we're going to imagine that I have a pet friend called Randy the Rattlesnake. And every time you hear Randy the Rattlesnake, all that means is that Randy is agreeing and very excited with what's being shared. Today I'm pleased to welcome Michelle Durkin. Michelle is a naturopathic doctor and also the founder of Quinty Naturopathic Center in the Belleville area. Michelle, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. So you recently did a talk called How I Survived My Separation Without Going on Antidepressants. What a catchy title, and I'm very excited to hear more about that. I'm sure our (laughs) listeners are curious how you managed to do that. Uh, But maybe take us back in time. You describe yourself as a type A workaholic type person. Have you always been that way now that you look back? Uh, Hindsight's always 20-20, but maybe take us back in time and give us a bit of context to... What led us here? Um, Yeah, I think I probably always have had that tendency. Um, I think that, I think we have like certain kind of tendencies that we're born with, and they can either be kind of some of our greatest assets, or they can also be some of our downfalls at the same time. Um, So yeah, I've always been kind of driven, I guess. Um, Always did well in school. Um, always played sports at the same time I was, you know, academically um, kind of striving, I guess, for the best. So I kind of did that all the way through high school and then university. And then afterwards, even going to naturopathic college, like always wanted to do well, you know, um, get good marks, uh, all that kind of stuff. And then when it came to my business, um, I just did the same thing like I just I guess I was never afraid of doing the hard work never putting in my time um, to kind of do the work that needed to be done and I was really good at kind of focusing and sticking with something until it was completed like I just 
And I think that's part of my genetics too. Like I just seem to be able to, when people would get bored with a project or whatever and have a really hard time staying motivated and finishing it, like I would never leave something unfinished. <laughs> mm. Sounds like you have a great ability to focus. Yeah, and I, part of that I think is, like I was born with that. Like I don't think it's something I develop necessarily um and as I learn more about myself I, I know these things that have come up like I know it like in my presentation I talked about um how my brain actually functions like I tested that through a genetic test um it's, it's actually the 23andMe test but then I have this um access to this nutritional kind of analyzer that I use as a naturopathic doctor so that it can give me information about my brain and how my genetics work Oh, wow. That's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of the point of my presentation, too, was that even though my genetics show certain traits, um, I was able to kind of overcome that by um, manipulating my environment, if you want to say. Okay. And I think this is so crucial because there's so much debate out there about how much power, if you want to say, we have as individuals to influence ourselves and our internal worlds and our environments and how those two interact versus, you know, what we can't control. And for a long time, it was, it was said that your genes are your genes. You can't influence that. And then now there's a lot of new fields that have popped up that are educating us differently and in really interesting ways. So yeah, let's kind of get into this. So you're, you've had your clinic for 14 years? 14 years, yeah. And life is going along, practice is going well. At what point do things start to, do red flags maybe start to pop up from your perspective? Um, I would say just um, kind of how I was feeling physically, but then also like stressors that would come up at work and I'd see like the same pattern kind of over and over again. Um, and so I did, I did some work with, um, a shaman kind of all along, um, where she kind of, she said to me, I remember her saying to me at one point, um, if you don't slow down, you're going to burn out in two years. And I just thought she was crazy. I'm like, how is that even possible? Like, I don't even feel like I'm going that fast. But looking back, yeah, I probably was. Um, so that kind of, she just planted that seed in my head. And I was like, well, I can't burn out in two years. Like, I have to be able to continue this career. Like, it's not even, it's not even a job for me. It's more like a vocation. Um, like, I can't just stop in two years. Like, I have to be able to kind of, you know, help people and make an impact. Um, so I started thinking about, okay, well, what do I need to start doing for myself to have my life a little bit more balanced, um, even though I couldn't necessarily see it, she could see it. And then I started to notice, okay, physically, you know, energy's not quite as good as it could be. Um, my hair started falling out like crazy and it just wouldn't grow back. Um, I felt like I was kind of holding on to this extra water weight and that just, I just noticed progressively, um, those things kind of getting a little bit worse over time. And then I also, um, I, I struggled, I guess we struggled, um, with infertility for seven years. Hmm. So 
when the shaman said to you, if you don't change course here, you're going to burn out, did you, initially, were you, like, really skeptical of that? Were you like, she she doesn't know me, she really have a sense of, you know, when there was there, and, and was there a time before you finally said, maybe there's something to what she's saying, or did you kind of tune in that, yeah, I <laughs> I knew she was right right away, but I just thought her timeline was totally off. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, two years, no way. Like, I would burn out in 10 years, maybe. Like, I I just didn't see, didn't see the same timeline that she did. But I knew she was right, right away. I knew she was right. And maybe you can explain quickly, like, what a shaman is and does. You know what? I really, (laughs) I really don't know. Um, I go to her more for, I I guess you would say I'm working. So I believe in the whole mind body connection. Um, so there's lots of things that we can do for our physical bodies. Um, whether that's nutrition or exercise or getting enough sleep or whatever it is, but I do feel like there's this mind connection that we also have to heal. Um, and that also has to be healthy for us to be kind of the best version of ourselves. So she works for me on that kind of energetic level so we kind of do like a little bit of counseling at the beginning and then she'll do whatever energy work she does I can't explain it Um, but I always leave there feeling really good and being able to kind of make some um, changes I guess um, to optimize optimize what I need to okay okay so you go see her, she gives you this information you leave you're like okay maybe I'll start to look at things then then what happens Um, so I just, I started to look at, okay, well, where am I not really taking care of myself? Um, where am I choosing work all the time and not, you know, letting myself relax, I guess. Um, so started to, started to build in more time for myself. Um, whether that was, I don't know, going for a walk, whether that was, taking a day off once in a while (laughs) not like and I mean like not working on the weekend like I have my regular clinic hours but I was always doing work on the weekends as well um so you know trying to trying to be comfortable doing that realizing some things about myself like it's really hard for me to take a vacation and stay at home like I have to leave (laughs) to kind of get more into that relaxed kind of mode but once I'm away on holidays then I'm fine it's just the feeling of being at home and feeling like there's work to be done and not doing it that's really hard for me Mm, you sound like my wife (laughs) I think you know what I think it's a problem a lot of women have because we I don't know what it is we just kind of, I guess our brain just kind of sees everything, like sees every little thing that needs to be done and then feel like we have to do it. Whereas I do feel like men, and I'm generalizing here, I know that, they just, they can be a lot more one-track mind. Sure. They're, they're easier for them to do that. Sure, yeah. So is this, so you're you're meeting with the shaman and then post post-appointment, you start to manipulate your situation a little bit to improve your habits if you will so then all this is pre pre indicators that your relationship is in a not healthy place or is this all happening at the same this time? is all this is all pre even me realizing that the relationship is not in a healthy place at oh. that point i think the relationship was probably okay okay um so it was more kind of the fertility stuff that 
really kind of drove that a little bit more. Okay. Um, so I kind of came to a point, like, you know, I'm 42 now. Um, had to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you know, time's running out. You have to kind of, you know, decide, okay, is this going to happen? Like, what I was thinking to myself, okay, what else can I do for myself? If this is actually going to happen, what else? And this is the big thing that I tend to do, and I realize this now, is I tend to take responsibility for everything. So he had done his little test, everything was fine. So then, and he was quite willing to give me all the responsibility as well. So, um, you know, like there's two people kind of interacting in that. So he didn't want to take the responsibility. So basically gave it all to me. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll take it. <laughs> Not realizing kind of what I was doing. Mm. So kind of, I took on it, everything was my fault and I need to fix me in order for this to happen. Um, so that's when I started doing a little bit more work um, from an energetic perspective. And then also, you know, doing my own testing on my hormones and stuff like that to see kind of what, what okay, if I'm going to, like I have a limited amount of time, if this is really going to happen, then I need to be a little bit more focused on it. Um, so that's when things, I think, started to shift a little bit more. And so you, you also describe yourself as a people pleaser. Was that, that willingness to take on all the responsibility of the issue, uh, kind of, did that fit with that? Yeah, for sure. Because I didn't want, you know, like I didn't want to make anyone else upset and be like, well, no, like we're, we're in this together. You need to take responsibility too. Like I didn't change his diet. I let him do whatever he wanted, mm. but I, <laughs> and so, cause yeah, I didn't want to make him mad. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. So with this whole fertility thing, um, then I st then I decided, okay, I'm gonna start seeing someone once a month uh, to work on my emotional stuff. Um, so in in doing that, this was a different person. It wasn't the shaman. It was someone else. And she basically said to me, okay, I want you 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 need to make space in your life for a family if that's what you want. Um, so we need to start kind of planning that. And she's like, I want you to take the next nine months, and we're gonna pretend it's kind of like a fake pregnancy for you mm. and you're going to take the next nine months to kind of develop kind of that space that you need because I obviously you know your business is set up a certain way you can't just change things overnight sure. and so that helped me start shift my thinking around that and then I also read a book called the four hour work week uh, by Tim Ferriss yeah and that really helped me change my perspective around you know, this whole idea of work smarter, not harder type thing. Mm -hmm. Those things helped. Um, and then what I, what I decided to do, which was extremely uncomfortable for me, um, and then I wrote about it as well on my blog, is I decided to take a month off. Today I'm speaking with Michelle Durkin, naturopathic doctor, on how she survived her separation without going on antidepressants. We will be back in a minute. In 2017, CFRC Radio celebrates 95 years of creating Campus Community Radio in Kingston, Ontario. Over the last 95 years, CFRC's governance has evolved. Once supervised by Queen's University and later by Queen's Alma Mater Society, since 2014, CFRC has been an independent, self-governing, not-for-profit organization. Its board of directors has representation from Queen's University, the AMS and SGPS, CFRC Radio Club, and the Kingston community. Learn more about CFRC, Canada's longest-running campus and community radio station at cfrc.ca. Telephone Aid Line Kingston is a crisis, distress, befriending, and information listening service based in Kingston. 
talk is confidential, non-judgmental, and anonymous. We are a safe place to call when you don't know where to turn. To reach our aid line between 7 p.m. and 3 a.m., call 613-544-1771. For volunteering information, please email talkrecruitment at gmail.com. You're listening to Talk on CFRC 101.9 FM and on the web, cfrc.ca. If you want to access past episodes of Talk, simply go to the website, click on Listen, then search the archives, Wednesdays, 4 p.m. Today's feature interview is with Michelle Durkin, naturopathic doctor in the Quinney area. She is speaking on how she survived her separation without going on antidepressants. We will return there now. So I had never taken more than, I don't know, maybe 10 days off in a row. Okay. Um, and and so this, this was only two years ago. So I had been in practice for 12 years and hadn't really taken more than 10 days off in a row. Um, and I'd always kind of planned my holidays around everyone else, what would be more convenient, um, and how could I still be connected if someone needed to get a hold of me, like just, you know, being available, not totally like 100% disconnected. So that deciding to take that month off, that was that was a big thing. So take us through a little bit of your internal kind of process for as you approach that like day one of being off for a month. Like what what was happening happening for you mentally, emotionally? Was it getting harder as you were getting closer to the day? Like were you starting to panic a little bit, or did you get better as you got closer? Um, I don't. I, I think probably both um, because I I kind of set this. It, it was probably got easier actually, but there was still this little bit of fear. Like, even though intellectually I knew everything was going to be fine, even if something bad happened, chances are, you know, we can recover from it. Like, it's nothing, nothing so serious could possibly happen that we couldn't recover from. And I have good staff. It's not like, you know what I mean? Like, I just, that was also an important thing for them in the interaction with me is me trusting them to be, you know what, you guys have got this for the month. Um, I'm kind of gone, like you're going to have to take care of it type thing. So to actually allow them to step up and take care of it, uh, that was important for them too, that part of their growth. Yeah, what a great kind of side effect to all this. Yeah, I know, it's kind of weird. Because <laughs> <laughs> you weird, know, not weird, right? Yeah. yeah, when you're when you're everybody's just coming into work and doing the thing and keeping the machine going and taking care of clients, it's just you know, you don't often stop to think proactively how could we increase our 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 trust bonds here and their ability yeah. to be leaders and so forth and you never think that it would necessarily come from you know if you want to say it this way the boss taking a, a month off because she's she's running the engine too hard <laughs> yeah totally so. and i don't think they felt like i was pushing them or anything but i think they always felt like i was this kind of safety net there that they didn't really have to like, they never had to grow because, like, I was always there, mm-hmm. right? Whereas yeah. if I'm not there, it kind of forces them to grow and make decisions, and then I can be supportive and be like, yeah, that was a great decision. Or, you know what, that might have not been the best decision, but what do you think we could do next time type thing? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was a whole kind of 
little learning experience as well. I think too often people are enablers of certain patterns of behavior in families or friendships or whatever, and we we don't realize that we're doing it because we just think we're we're being good people. Right, and I, I think too for people who start a business and you've been managing, founded and have been managing a clinic for fourteen years, that for somebody to be uh, wired that way or or have an interest in all those things and doing that you have to be a leader you have to be somebody who has a high a, I guess a strong ability to control and, and manage the environment and and so those are all great qualities and as time goes on being able to kind of I don't know if you ever saw the movie Fight Club where <laughs> it's a long time ago, but <laughs> yeah, I did see it. I I don't remember movies well, though. I don't there's know a, why. <laughs> there's a there's a scene where I think it's Edward Norton's in. They're driving in a car, and Edward Norton's going through this kind of dis- explanation of you know at times in life we just need to be willing to take our hands off the wheel, and I mean they start to veer toward this guardrail, and I mean they don't they don't die, but but it's a great great symbolism and representation of, you know, even when we're willing to take our hands off the steering wheel, that we'll, we'll still be okay in so many different ways. So anyway, uh, so you take a month off and, and what happens then? Well, the week before my month off, my husband told me he was leaving. Okay. So that was, that was like, I just thought, oh my God, <laughs> like it was at the like in that initial moment, it felt like it was the worst timing ever, but it ended up being the best timing ever. So, were you completely shocked by this? I was shocked because I thought we were working on things, and in his mind, no, like we weren't. He we were em- done emotionally. He had already tapped out. He had tapped out probably, and I look. I can see it looking back now. Probably at least four months before that. Okay, so you're working on yourself. You're thinking, okay, I need. To, I've met with my shaman. I need to take some time, and and I'm seeing my other support person. They've suggested I kind of do a a mock nine month pregnancy to create the environment to to get ready for making room for something like this in my life I'm getting ready to take a month off to further accommodate you know decreasing my stress and just taking care of myself and then suddenly this news comes I mean I think that would be pretty difficult yeah it it definitely was difficult Um, but I also think back and think I can't imagine going through that month afterwards being at work every day Mm. so I was very lucky and I and I don't I think it actually happened that way on purpose like I think there's a lot of really good coincidences that happen for us sometimes if we allow things to happen Mm -hmm. um and so I think yeah that just I I can't imagine having to go to work every day um kind of dealing with that emotion because it was hard enough when I came back after the month. So, but that month was great because I, I didn't have to think about work. I could just kind of take care of myself and cry every day and do whatever I needed to do. Hmm. And you, you and your partner were together for how long? Uh, we were married for seven years, but together, lived together for 10. So, I mean, a decade, that's a long time to, to form a partnership and, yeah. and, and then, yeah. you know, 
to be doing all these things for your anyway um so yeah so this it was it was pretty well traumatic i guess you could call it um so even though it felt like it came out of the blue i know it didn't come out of the blue so but you know all of those kind of feelings of depression anxiety that kind of stuff i knew that i was going to be susceptible to that because in that month off I was, I was upset. I did cry every day and I'm not going to be able to go back to work and just cry every day. (laughs) Um, so I was like, okay, well, what can I, what am I, what's my plan? Like, what am I going to do to take care of myself and support myself so that I can kind of get through this? Um, and I, I did end up, uh, writing, writing a post about why, how could my greatest pain actually be my greatest gift? Um, so I, I focused on kind of the basics. I, I focused on, okay, well, what, if I was the patient, what would I do for myself? Like, what are the options that are kind of out there? So I looked at, okay, conventional options, what are they? Well, drugs, usually an SSRI, um, and counseling. So I thought, okay, um, then on the other side, like my kind of holistic kind of cap, I'm thinking, okay, I can counseling. Yeah, that would be on my list too. I want to make sure that I'm eating properly. I want to make sure that I'm exercising. I want to make sure that I'm sleeping properly. Um, I want to make sure that I'm doing some kind of stress management uh, techniques. I don't want my nervous system to be in fight or flight all the time. I want to be able to get my nervous system into that rest, relax, digest kind of side. What can I do to kind of enable that? And then, of course, just with my knowledge for supplements, I'm going to choose those first over medication. So that's, that, and I kind of looked at my list, like everything on my side of the list, I, there were no side effects with any of that stuff. And then on the other side, yeah, there's lots of potential side effects um, with medication. But then I also thought about it, okay, what are other things that people do um, to kind of self-medicate that aren't necessarily healthy? I want to be aware of those things too. So alcohol is probably one of the biggest ones. It was amazing the number of times someone said to me, oh, if you just want to co- come over and have a glass of wine, just let me know. And I was thinking, I remember thinking in my head one time when someone said it to me, wine is the last thing I need. Because <laughs> 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 it's just going to make me feel worse. Mm. Um, you, know, you know, after the after the feeling good for that short period of time. Sure. So I was very careful in terms of what I was going to do and kind of put in my body um, during that time. And then making sleep a priority was a big thing too. I think it's great that you, and I recognize that not everybody, A, has the coping skills, and, and B, even if we have the coping skills, that when we hit a crisis in our life that we're not always in the state to be able to kind of rationally move through our options and figure out what the wisest decision would be here. But I think it's so important to give ourselves permission to be able to do that because often when we're in crisis, we just, oh my gosh, I just, just give me whatever we're wanting, whatever's going to take yeah. away, take away the pain and the suffering. And while we do need things like that in the short term. Sometimes if we're not also giving ourselves and and giving adequate consideration to the long term, then maybe we're going to make a decision that's 
it's going to make the long term more difficult. So I think it's great that you really kind of step back and assessed. I mean, you have a unique vantage point too as a naturopathic doctor that you you have the knowledge and the education. But I mean, with the internet, with there's so many so many resources that people do have access to and. Um, yeah, I just want to encourage anybody that's listening to give yourself permission that if you're in feeling in a in a bad place or in a crisis situation, you know, to use this to to encourage you to use the skills that you have and to think as clearly and honestly as you can about the options that are available to you. Some of the ones that Michelle is mentioning today, and and construct a plan that's really going to support not only who you want to be and who the type of help you need right now but moving forward who you want to be in the future and I guess I'm speaking about this from personal angle as well I 2008 had a nervous breakdown I like you kind of thought about even though I was in a really bad place I took the time to think about what was available to me I was seeing a counselor at the time I thought about going there was times where I really was struggling and and really would want to just give me an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety medication. I just, I don't know what else to do. That was my crisis, panicky self responding to that. But then I would go to a counseling session. I would leave the session. I'd be like, okay, no, I can, I can manage today. I can get through today. And sometimes it is just getting through today and using the skills to get through one day. And we can only live one minute at a time. So, again, just getting away from catastrophizing and oh my gosh what's going to happen with my life to what can I do for myself in the next five minutes sometimes that's enough so anyway keep going Mm -hmm. and I think too like I'm I'm not anti-medication like if I if that's the step that I had to take you know after doing all these other things then fine Mm -hmm. but what I think happens too often is people go to medication as their first line and none of these other options are ever presented to them um so i i think it is important for people to sit down and be like okay well what else can i do because medication is not very empowering where some of these other things along with medication if that's what you choose to do or if you choose to do like a natural supplement doing these other self-care things that's more empowering Mm. yeah I'd love at this moment, at this point, for you just to touch on epigenetics because it's such a an important field of study. Yeah, so epigenetics is basically um, it, it basically says that you know even though you have certain genes, that doesn't that doesn't mean that you're going to actually develop a certain disease. So the expression of those genes is dependent on our environment. So primarily what we're eating, how we're managing stress, what kind of chemicals we're exposed to, all of those things will turn on or turn off certain genes. Um, So I don't think people realize, like genetics, like people would think, oh yeah, genetics is like 80%. If you've got this, you're 80% chance you're going to get whatever. You have this gene, you're going to get whatever. And that's not necessarily true. It's actually the flip side of that. Um, so your environment is much more, um, it, it's much stronger in terms of influencing uh, whether things are going to get turned on or turned off. So I like the saying, your genes will load the gun, but your environment will pull the trigger. Mm. That's really, that's great. I mean, and that's why you, 
you see people who have a, a lot of mental health kind of challenges, often environments that they grew up in were not very great. So it, you can see how this environmental influence really plays out um, significantly for people. And I guess I'm just thinking about this in terms of you mentioned the word, I think you mentioned the word empowering earlier, like certain choices not very empowering. This can be a very empowering thing to recognize that if we can, and I know it's not as easy as flipping a switch, but if we can rejig our environmental conditions, that we really can impact how our genes are expressing. I mean, how fascinating is that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And I think that's that, yeah, it gives that sense of control, that sense of empowerment that people, yes, I can actually do something. I can do something besides, you know, just take this medication. So you're going through your options and you decide, okay, I'm going to focus on my sleep patterns, my eating habits, my exercise. Where, where do things take off from there? So uh, that's kind of kind of what I, I've just been doing for the past, I don't know, how many months now? Um, Ten months. Uh, so I really, with the food piece, I just really tried to make sure that I wasn't eating junk, um, that I was, you know, staying away from kind of those processed, refined foods, eating lots of nutrient-dense foods, you know, getting in lots of vegetables, getting in lots of fruits, eating good quality protein because all of those things, good quality fats, all of those things are going to impact how the brain is functioning. People don't realize that the brain is made up of primarily fat and protein. So if you're not if you're not eating those good fats, that will eventually affect how your brain functions. And luckily, like, I was doing a lot of the dietary stuff already. Like, that was easy for me to kind of keep doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the sleep part, that was pretty easy for me to keep doing too because I, I always have been a good sleeper um, and I have always kind of made sleep a priority um, because I, I know that we need that kind of rest and recovery time. Um, but what I, I did when I noticed that my sleep was not it was being affected. I wasn't sleeping great. Um, I knew I had to change what I was doing. Um, so I actually had to leave my environment. Like I was, I was still in the house, um, with him for a couple weeks when I came back from my holidays and I couldn't, I couldn't stay. I had to, I had to leave. Mm. Um, and then I also took a couple of different natural sleep, sleep aids. One was melatonin and then was a, the other one was a standardized extract of passion flower. And those were the two things that really helped me. I'm looking at your, I have Michelle's PowerPoint up in front of me that she did her talk on recently. And I'm, there's a slide here. Almost all processed food is made of the five, same five to six ingredients. Um, I'm just going to list these for people. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. Processed vegetable oil, refined sugars, salt, artificial flavors and colors refined grains, primarily wheat, soy, and corn, processed dairy, or modified milk ingredients. Um, Maybe you can comment from your vantage point, too, just on our relationship with food and how the marketing of food has changed, and as consumers, how we can make sure that we're getting good stuff. Yeah, there's there's so much marketing, especially to kids <laughs> with food. And it's not, the thing is, 
it's not really food. It's what we would call food-like substances or some um, people, doctors have actually called it frankenfood. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's not actually food. It's all this processed stuff kind of jammed together in different variations mm. um, that gives us all this. It seems like it's a huge variety, but it's actually not because it's all made from the same ingredients. Um, so what I kind of encourage people to do is, okay, you want to you know, the outside of the grocery store, people have probably heard this before. Um, you you want to make sure that you're getting a good half of your plate of uh, vegetables. That should be your starting point, and then you can kind of build the rest of it around that. I do tend to kind of do more uh, Mediterranean-style, anti-inflammatory type diets with people, especially um, when there's some kind of um, brain kind of stuff going on. That anti-inflammatory diet is really important. I had a holistic nutritionist on months ago, and she's down in South Carolina. She talked about how, I mean, she has eight kids, and one of them is on the spectrum with autism, and she's had, like, major challenges with her daughter over the years. And I asked her the question about, like she was saying, if you can get, you know, certain foods that are organic and so forth. And I said, you know, if, if you're somebody that's not in a position to be buying organic foods, and a lot of, I mean, the reality is there's a lot of kids in, talk about home environments, in home environments where there's not a lot of money maybe and the foods that are being purchased, it's you got to make your dollar stretch. And, and often the foods that stretch the longest are the ones that fill you up with a, a blast of energy, but not a lot of nutrients and affects kids' moods and behaviors in a negative way. And I said, you know, what if you're not in a position to be able to do that? And she said, well, you've got to try to think of it, too, in terms of... And she's speaking, obviously, from her perspective as a mom of, of eight, but also of, of a mom with a daughter who's had major behavior issues and the stress that that's placed not only on her and her relationship with her daughter, but the entire family over the last 15 years. So she said, you've got to think of it in terms of how can I make wise decisions on the front end? Because if you're not doing that with, with food and, and the other environmental things that you do have some control over, the impact that's going to create and the, the level of stress and the drain that it's going to cause on your entire lifestyle at the back end is going to be significant. So um, I know that doesn't really easily answer the question of being able to afford our organic foods, but from your, again, from your vantage point, what can you say to encourage people or, or empower people to make decisions that they can make today that are going to have such a, a great impact on their life? Yeah, I think that's a good point because too often we look at um, we look at things kind of focused in. So we're looking at the short-term implications of something. Yes, this is cheaper, so I'm going to ch choose this. But in the long run, the cost that you'll end up paying to save that money is going to be way higher. And we see that with health in general. So the cost of, uh, you know, uh, simple kind of meal, I'm trying to think, like, you know, I, I don't want to pick on one specific you know fast food company but like a fast food meal it's you know they're going to be cheap or let's say craft dinner you know it's going to be cheap 
But the long-term implications of that, say, if you continue to do that years over years over years, you might be saving X amount of dollars, but how much are you going to end up spending in diabetes care in the long run? Mm. Like it's, we look at things too much in the short term and not um, in kind of the long term. So, yeah, that's an excellent point that she brought up, especially with the situation she's in. Because, yeah, you think of if anybody couldn't do it, it would be her. But she can. And it's because if she's shifted that priority to look at things differently. Mm-hmm. There are a few ways. There are also a few ways that people can get access to organic food where it's not going to be expensive. Um, you can start you know, using your community. So in our community, we have something called Community Supported Agriculture, or a CSA, and you buy into that at the beginning of the season, so they can buy their plants and seeds and whatever, and then you get a share of that crop for the the growing season. So we start getting our deliveries end of June, mid to end of June, and you get, you pick up delivery once a week of all of your organic vegetables. And it's way cheaper than going to the grocery store and buying an organic, buying in the organic section there. Um, So yeah, using those kind of community resources. um, And when you pay for those things, you're voting, you're voting for things that you want. So if you want those resources in your community, we by using them, we're going to support them. Those farmers are going to be able to continue to do what they do and provide those um, good quality, you know, nutrients, uh, vegetables, or whatever to to your to your table. Mm. That's a great suggestion. And that's that's just one, right? Like, there's probably other ways that people can do that. Like, there's uh, something called the Environmental Working Group. They publish every year a list of the Clean 15 and the Dirty Dozen. So the Clean 15, those are foods that, okay, these are the ones that are not sprayed as much. So these are foods that you, you, you don't have to worry about as much to buy organic. Whereas the Dirty Dozen, these are the ones that you really want to make sure that you're getting organic because they're the most heavily sprayed. So even if you just start with that list at least it's doing something versus doing nothing so would a person google environmental working group and that'll take them yeah it should come even if you google clean 15 you'll you'll find it quite easily and they do a new list every year okay we have a few minutes left i just there's a quote here i want to read from your presentation and, and get your thoughts on we suffer more often in imagination than in reality why do you think that as, as a doctor and as somebody who's worked with hundreds, maybe thousands of clients over the last 14 years, we get so stuck in our minds? <laughs> <laughs> because our brain has this thing in it. Um, it's the reptilian brain, right? Uh, so it's like this old, old, old coping mechanism that it wants to keep us safe. It doesn't care about whether or not we're happy. Um, so the safest thing to do is to not change anything, keep things status quo. Um, so that's why it's really hard for people to make any kind of change in their life, whether it's just going to the gym once a week or, you know, eating more vegetables is because the brain wants to keep you safe. So it thinks by, you know, making no changes, that's safe. So interesting. Yeah. Um, our brains are designed to keep us safe and not necessarily, they're not looking to keep us, to make us happy or keep us happy. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, maybe I can get your thoughts too, just before we wrap up on maybe the importance of trying to create 
meaning in your life because the reality is we're all going to go through ups and downs. Part of the script of everybody's life is there's going to be great times, there's going to be terrible times. Knowing that in advance maybe can help a little bit so we're not so surprised when crappy stuff shows up. Yeah. How can, what's your thoughts on how people can create meaning in their life, that that's the foundation of their life, that that meaning can carry us through the good times and the bad as opposed to just chasing happiness, what, what can, it can be so fleeting. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, the, the, we want, we want that, the, the meaning is what actually creates kind of real happiness, I think. Um, so there's a lot of things that can make us happy, you know, just short term. Um, but to actually have that kind of long term, maybe the better word is kind of satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Um, having that kind of satisfaction with your life and what you're doing. Um, yeah, if there's meaning in your life, then then it's a lot easier to do that. Um, and that's, I'm lucky. I, I have a very meaningful a job that's very meaningful to me. Um, like I feel Every, I think everyone wants to feel like they're making a difference. Um, and so I do feel that every day uh, when I go to work, uh, which is great. Um, but I think a lot of people get stuck in this. Um, they're doing things for the money, right? There's so much emotional stuff tied into money. Mm. Um, and it's so interesting when you when you kind of step back and you can see that. Like I know a lot of my uh, self worth, I had placed on. Okay, how much money do I have in the bank account? Right? Um, not from a. Um, it wasn't like oh I have all this money I can spend it whatever. It was more a feeling of security for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like okay, if anything goes bad, I'll be okay because I have money in the bank account to take care of it. It was more from like a savings kind of point of view um versus like oh i want to have lots of money and spend it on whatever like i to a fault i would say that i'm probably more of a saver Mm -hmm. (laughs) than a spender um so yeah we have so much emotional stuff kind of wrapped up into that whereas it would be much healthier i think for us to be more um going towards creating meaning and creating like acts of service like we're here we're here to help serve others and whatever our special gift is um so i I think finding that in your life is important Mm. that's well said that's a whole other topic we could probably talk for a few hours on um yeah the the notion of kind of pursuing money and, and you're right so much is tied up into the dollar bill and what it means and and of course we need it to to survive put a roof over our head and feed ourselves and our kids if we have kids what have you but um it, it seems like it's and, and i've been caught up in it too and it's just over the last year or so that i've had to really question the path that i've been on and and how is this actually filling me up as a person and 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 how the ways in which i'm I'm wired to my relationship with money and how that's causing me so much stress. How can I peel back the layers of that and get at the root of this? And I think what I discovered, and you said this to me in a previous conversation too, that discovering that at the end of the day, I can have a lot less. And I really discovered that I'm okay. I'm not, I'm, yeah. st- I'm still fine. And that's, that's huge because it can be such a game and such a trap to be pursuing money for the sake of 
money and, and kind of stockpiling it when you're right. There's so many things that we could be doing today of service. This is the last point I'll make. But I often look at people on social media who get so ramped up uh, commenting and getting in these heated debates with people about what's happening in other parts of the world. And I, I everybody's entitled to their own opinion, and I would never begrudge somebody for their thoughts on something. But I think you're spending so much energy in this, whatever it is this is, voicing your concerns on social media about something that's three-quarters of the world away, and there's probably some single mom or homeless guy two blocks away that's been feeling alone for the last 15 years. It feels like nobody ever, feels like society's forgot about him. How much, what a beautiful impact you could have by approaching that, that person and just, just being there with them. And I remember I've shared this quote on the show, but I'll say it again. Mother Teresa was interviewed years ago in Phoenix by a radio host. And then after the show, he had said to her, you know, like, what, what can I do to help? But, you know, can I give some money? Like, and he said, she said, I don't, we don't need your money. What you can do is go out on the street and find somebody who's alone and convince them that they're not. And I'm uh-huh. like, wow, so amazing, so so deep. Michelle, what's as uh, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to check out your blog, if they want to look into the services that you offer? Yeah, we do have a website. Um, it's www.quintync.ca. Um, and so I do have a blog on there that I write once a week so people can uh, sign up for that if they're interested. And then I do have a Facebook page. Like I ha- We have our Quinny Naturopathic Center Facebook page, and I usually put just interesting quotes or articles on there a couple times a week. Um, and then I have also just started my own personal, um, I guess you'd call it more of a professional uh, Facebook page where I put on not, not as much of the nutritional kind of stuff, more of um, – motivational or so yeah on my professional Facebook page the content's a little bit different just so I'm not kind of overlapping with what's on the Quinny Naturopathic Center one so people can kind of find me uh, both ways I, I, I am pretty easy to find like if you do Google my name you will find stuff <laughs> <laughs> okay last question for today as you continue to move through your life and learn things about yourself and and change your patterns and so forth knowing the things that you now know about yourself and I mean some of them you haven't discovered recently you've maybe known for a long time that you were kind of a workaholic and that you had some patterns that you wanted to shift a little bit keep the good but kind of get rid of some of the the underside of those things how do you now I don't want to use the word defend but how do you defend against slipping back into patterns that you don't want to slip back into um, I don't, I don't know. Um, I think, I think when people kind of make some of those, um, mental kind of connections with the emotions, it, you don't end up slipping back as much. Um, like I just, I, I made the decision that I'm going to, I'm going to be responsible, um, for my own happiness, not somebody else. Um, so I think that was a big thing for me. Um, and then kind of just, I don't want to say, um, like everything in life tends to happen for a reason. 
um, and just kind of seeing those opportunities um, versus seeing seeing the negative all the time. Um, I think that's a big thing. And I know that we all will fall down and need to get back up again. And just knowing that that's going to happen. But the more you practice doing that, uh, the easier it gets every time. Mm. So good. So well said. Uh, Thank you so much for sharing a part of your personal life and your professional expertise. It's been great to listen to you. Thanks for having me on this. And I did say this when I did my talk as well. Um, Like being able to speak about this is also part of my own healing. Um, So it's just as important to me or helpful to me um, as it could be for other people. Mm. Um, I did read, I read an article recently. um, It was about healing the uh, feminine and masculine shadow side I guess it was Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just really interesting because part of healing that shadow feminine side was being able to talk about your story you're very courageous AMHS KFLA's vocational services connect employers with skilled workers recovering from mental health challenges this free program offers individual assessments job preparation training and placement Employers are matched with qualified, reliable workers and receive ongoing support for hires as they lead their lives in positive new directions. For more information, call 613-544-1356 or visit amhs-kfla.ca. Tune in every Thursday at 3 p.m. to hear the YGK Breakout on CFRC 101.9 FM or cfrc.ca. You'll hear from local artists, Queen's University artists, and a wide range of stories from bands in the area. Learn more about our local up-and-comers on the YGK Breakout on CFRC. If you like great music from the 60s and 70s and good covers, listen to Frankly Speaking. Music to tickle your memory bone on Fridays at 1 p.m. on CFRC Radio. CFRC 101.9 FM and on the web, cfrc.ca. If you want to access past episodes of Talk, a lot of great episodes, a lot of inspiring interviews, go to the website, click Listen, search the archives, Wednesdays, 4 p.m. One thing that I wanted to mention about my interview with Michelle, she had also mentioned that it was critical for her to realize the importance of letting people in her life help her, to be able to let go and step back. And whether it was parents, brothers, friends, coworkers, her support team in a professional sense, her counselor, her shaman, to let those people actually help her. And it can be so tempting when we are an adult and used to being in control of our lives and seeing that success is the fruit of a healthy sense of control and yet we hit a crisis or a traumatic period and it can be hard to let go of that control. It feels counterintuitive because we feel like we're losing something or we're losing a sense of control over something, we cling to the steering wheel that much more, which is counterproductive. So just the importance of realizing 
that there's people in your life who can help you. It's okay to ask for help. You should ask for help. That that's a wise thing to do. This has been another edition of Talk with Timmy G on CFRC 101.9 FM and CFRC.ca. If you have any questions or feedback or would like to be featured on the show, please email me at info at timothydgauthier.com. That's info at timothydgauthier.com. Every Thursday from 7 to 8.30, I facilitate a free drop-in group called MindWell. It's a support group for anybody dealing with burnout, stress, anxiety. Again, that's every Thursday from 7 to 8.30. Address 1111 Taylor Kidd Boulevard at St. Paul the Apostle. Till next week, be smart, be safe. Hello, I'm Tamara Cicerella, a counselor serving area residents who live with addictions or mental health concerns. Deeply committed workers like me assist people in reaching their recovery goals. On April 1st, Addictions and Mental Health Services in Kingston and Frontenac joins Lennox and Addicton in offering confidential, quality services. Addictions Mental Health Services, Kingston, Frontenac, Lennox and Addington is committed to providing the best possible services to all who need it. For more information in Kingston and Frontenac, call 613-544-1356 or in Lennox and Addington, 613-354-7388. On CFRC 101.9 FM every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m., you'll hear Finding a Voice. My name is Bruce, host of that poetry-focused spoken word program. On it, you'll hear local readings and events, occasionally telephone interviews across Canada, and always a touch of music. Again, Finding a Voice, here every Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. Check it out. Hope to catch you there. In 2017, CFRC Radio celebrates 95 years of creating campus community radio in Kingston, Ontario. Over the last 95 years, CFRC's governance has evolved. Once supervised by Queen's University and later by Queen's Alma Mater Society, since 2014, CFRC has been an independent, self-governing, not-for-profit organization. Its board of directors has representation from Queen's University, the AMS and SGPS, CFRC Radio Club, and the Kingston community. Learn more about CFRC, Canada's longest-running campus and community radio station at cfrc.ca. Whatever you're going through, we're here for you. We are the Peer Support Centre, a confidential and non-judgmental drop-in space where you can come to talk to a fellow peer about anything at all. We have been supporting students at Queen's for at least 10 years now, and it wouldn't be the service we are today without the dedication and care of our amazing volunteers. We also wanted to thank you, Queens. Thank you for all the students for trusting us over the years with your stories and experiences and allowing us to help support you during your time here at Queens. University can be a challenging yet rewarding time, and we want students to know that we are here for them through the good times, the bad, and the in-between. Come stop by the Peer Support Center in JDUC Room 34. We are open seven days a week from noon to 10 p.m.